It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day. He's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. You know, this afternoon, we'll talk to the U.S. Amateur Champion, consider the impact of Matsuyama's masterpiece, and certainly have some fun. As always, let's kick things off with a little music. Grab your air guitar, Wade. You can't stop the pro show. stop the shindig we're rolling on the masters is complete the golf season is officially open it's mid-april i am in a very very good mood this afternoon there it mr way weezer should be i am psyched spring is sprung well you know at that at some point that's all gonna happen but when you get the masters in the rearview mirror and you know you're about like 35 days to the next major championship and you know you're going to play some golf and all these great things are happening and it's Friday afternoon, man, there's just nothing better than teeing up a good pro show here. And when we've got an awesome, awesome afternoon plan for you all folks. I mean, we have an interview with a young gentleman named Ty Strafacci and Ty is the reigning USGA amateur champion from last year out at Bandon Dunes. And he is an alumni now of Georgia tech. And he is also just have competed in the 85th Masters. So we're going to have some good stories about what happened at the Masters last week and his, you know, his championship out at Bandon Dunes. I'm looking forward to catching up with him because, you know, I listened to his press conference last week and I and I thought he did a really good job of handling himself and just a bright young kid. It seems like he's a lot of fun. And um, I've heard he and I share some common interests. So really? I'm, I'm pretty psyched about that. Yeah. You know what else? You know who else is pretty psyched? Who? The nation of Japan. They are. All right. It's off the charts. It's off the charts. So the week starts. You got you to love this. The week starts with Hideki Matsuyama. It's 8.03 a.m. in Japan. And he taps in the final putt at Augusta National. Now, it's for us, it's about 7.03 p.m. Right. Right sure. here in the States on the East Coast. But... Japan is alive and ready. Now, the, the morning newspapers are already out and everything, but they put out supplement issues. You right. know, the first ever Japanese player to win the Masters. It's a huge deal. Sure. They have like 9 million golfers in Japan. Really? All right. Of like 120 million people. It's very, very golf happy nation. And th- this is great for the game. And this is what I want to get into a little bit. Like, what does it mean? But Matsuyama at 29 years old is an unbelievable hero in that country. Now, he, he plays full-time on the PGA Tour, but when he does go over there one or two times a year, I mean, he's got the amount of media surrounding him like Pele in his day or Tiger okay. in his right. day. Transcends you know? the sport. Oh, it's, uh, it's unbelievable, right? So the whole social media world, this is a funny story, you'll love this, uh, blows up on Monday morning because somebody catches Matsuyama sitting in the Atlanta airport. He's flying commercial. Right. Probably first class, but he's flying commercial and he's sitting at the gate and he's got the green jacket, the most coveted piece of clothing (laughs) in all of golf, hanging over the seat next to him. You know, I figure he like he was going to turn to the guy next to him. He was like, 
you know, commuting to wherever he was flying to. He's like, hey, buddy, could you watch the jacket? I got to use the restroom before we get called right. to the gate. You know, I mean, I'm like, are you kidding me? The guy's walking through the airport with the jacket draped over his arm. That jacket, you know, in the world of NFTs and all this other stuff, you know, I mean, it's like. Did he get two uh, two seats for it? Like one, I, one for him, one for the jacket? I, it almost seemed like he was going to wear the jacket or like <laughs> stuff it above, you know, in the, in the, with, with, in with, with, with the carry-ons. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's great. And, you know, it. What's truly unbelievable is I read this during the week that they think that him doing this would have the impact financially for him in our terms in dollars of about six hundred million dollars. They feel like for the next 20 years, he'll earn about 30 million dollars a year in endorsements just from winning the Masters. And, you know, it's unbelievable. But what I love about it, and I'm always on here talking about the the game of golf and, you know, how we're evolving and all these different things that are going on. But if you look at the week that Japan had, it's Saturday at Augusta National and Tsubasa Kajitani is the young woman that wins Anwa, the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Awesome. All right. The Masters is then the next week. Hideki Matsuyama, also from Japan, wins the Masters. So within eight days, Japan has two champions at Augusta National, which is the most revered golf course in the world. Is this good for golf? I mean, this is unbelievably great for global golf because we all know here due to COVID, due to the fact that golf's a lot of fun and we all love to play it, that the, the sport is extremely popular and it's at least that popular in Japan all the time, COVID or no COVID, right? right? Um, social distancing or no social distancing, it it is unbelievably popular over there. So things are going to skyrocket. The world of golf, the amount of revenue that goes towards golf, which is good for growing the game to get more people involved. You know, you gotta you gotta just really be happy for this whole story coming together. And the number one story, which I loved coming out of this whole thing, was the caddy. For Matsuyama, and I don't know if you caught this or not, but uh, it's a tradition that generally when a player wins a tournament, especially a big tournament, like a, ma- a major championship, that the caddy will grab the pin flag off the last hole. Right. Okay. So you just unscrew the cap on top and then you can just pull the flag right off of the of the fiberglass stick. So he goes and he has the flag in his hand and he unscrews the thing. He takes the flag off. He, he takes the flag stick and he puts it back in the hole and then he faces out away from the clubhouse and the crowd and everything and he bows in a very reverential way to the golf course and everybody was blown up about this, but it's just so cool. And it goes back, it goes back to like the idea of like Bryson's like, Hey, I'm going to dominate this place and hit 400 yard drives. And here's a guy whose player wins and he turns and he does a very reverential bow respect, you know? Yeah. So, you know, just, I I love telling great stories in golf. And to me, just watching that, I know a bunch of people jumped all over that, but I bring it up for anyone who hadn't seen that. If you do just, you know, go on social media, you could definitely see a video of it. And, and it's just really, really, it was, it was just a really kind of a cool move. And I'm so happy the cameras caught it. It it was pretty awesome. I love that. I'm going to search for that now. You know what else is pretty awesome? It's the ladies of the LPGA because they're back and they're in Hawaii and they're in paradise and they are, they're going low. They're going low. And not only that, you know what else is low? Their age. I mean, this leaderboard is just stacked with young talent from the LPGA tour. And your leader is Yuka Sasso. She shoots 64-64. She's 16 under after two rounds. It's been windy out there. I mean, it's crazy. She's 19 years old. Unbelievable. Second place, Lydia Ko, still hot from the ANA. She shot a 63 yesterday. Um, they started one day ahead, just so 
y'all I'm sure. for, for all of you playing at home. That um, so they started on Wednesday night. Cool thing the LPGA did to kind of you know uh, gain some of their own airtime, you know, where people weren't focused on maybe the men of the PGA Tour. So Nelly Cord is in third. I mean, Lydia Ko's 23. She has 15 wins already, and she hasn't won in three years. Right. And she is playing very well. She's got to be the favorite going into rounds three and four. Nelly Cord is in third. Um, 17-year-old Rose Zhang, she's at nine under. She's seven back, but she's 17 years 17. old. She was the young girl we were talking about going in the Anwa that might win. Uh, Lexi Thompson is tied with her. Here's a good one for you. I love looking at statistics because we're always talking about, you know, who's going to win what and parlays and bets and yada, yada, and prop bets and such. Brooke Henderson is tied for 16th. She's eight under par. She's eight back. She hit every green in the first two rounds. She's 36 for 36 and she's eight back. Wow. Right. Wow. Just eight back. Throw, throw that in for whatever, you know, I mean. Competition is tight. Oh, man. And it and. Um, these gals are good and they're all young. I mean, it, it's it's just amazing the amount of focus. And we're going to talk a little bit more about women's golf later in the update. But it's amazing the focus that's on the women's game. They're so young. They're so talented. It's really cool. Speaking of young and talented, we've got Cam Smith down at the RBC. We'll go over this real quick. He shot nine under yesterday. He's bringing the mullet back. Right. It's unbelievable. Not only that, he's got this like the blonde, awkward stash to go okay, with it. Yeah, yeah. Right? That yeah. compliments him for I, sure. I mean, honestly, it's like Cobra Kai hits the PGA <laughs> Tour. It's like Johnny Lawrence. Is, it's, it's great. Stuart Sink, the elder Stuart Sink, another Georgia Tech guy. We're going to talk to one of those in a minute. He's eight under shot. Sixty three. Colin Morikawa, six under sixty five. He's in third. And the reason I bring up Colin is that. He was down for the PGA Championship Media Day at Kiowa, and there's a nice little tie-in here because with the pro show, because he was doing some work for the PGA of America where they were shooting footage in anticipation of next month's PGA Championship at Kiowa. And the PGA of America is putting together this coaching channel that's going to take place during the week of the PGA Championship, and they have a cool sponsor in Cadillac, and they put out a bunch of kind of teasers of what they're going to do with that or whatever. But the pro show brand is going to be involved because, as you know, I write for the PGA of America and PGA.com. I mean, you there'll be another article tomorrow morning, tomorrow, Saturday. Right. So three to four times a week, I think Masters week, we wrote 11 articles. It was ridiculous. But um, about every other day, you go on PGA.com and you'll see an article from yours truly. But we're going to be involved with them that whole week. And Colin and the coaching channel and his coach, Rich Rick Sessinghouse, who's been on the show here. Um, just all sorts of cool stuff there. Um, certainly, if you want to check out more stuff that I'm up to, you can look at Stick and Hack, our friends there. You hear them all the time in their plug in the, in the first break. But the, the guys at Stick and Hack, Adam Grubb and and Mike Ryan and those guys, they, they um, have me every Monday at noon for Stick and Hack Reacts. You can find that on Facebook Live or on YouTube Live. Comes out at noon. Great show. Uh, they asked me questions about what happened over the weekend and, you know, we get going back and forth. It's kind of like, pardon the interruption, but it's relevant and youthful and fun. And um, there's also our friends at Monkey Knife Fight, which, of course, if you're not on Monkey Knife Fight, so many people have reached out to me and text me or through social media. They're like, this is so much fun. Will this guy, whoever it is in the Masters, will he shoot more or less than 71 and a half? And then they're like, everyone's getting addicted to golf because they're making a $2 bet. I mean, folks, this doesn't have to be a $100 bet, you know? Right. And you know, it's Moose and Rocco aren't going to come for you. I mean, it, make a $2 bet. Invest in watching a little golf. You'll have the most fun 
you've ever had. You know, people come to me all the time. They say, well, I don't bet on golf. I said, all right. And, you know, we're standing on the practice putting green. Then we get to the first tee and they say, all right. So what are we playing for today? Right. Like, it wait, makes wait, it fun. It makes it fun. I mean, come on. You know, it, a little investment goes a long way. And you know who makes a huge investment in the game? That's our friends at the New Jersey Golf Foundation. You know, the New Jersey Golf Foundation will host its 15th annual golf classic at Baltusrol Golf Club on Monday, August 9th. The signature charitable event on the foundation's calendar is your opportunity to tee it up on the newly renovated lower golf course or upper golf course at the famed championship venue. Those spots are closing out fast, so sign up today. Register for the 2021 Golf Classic. Or for more information, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call us at 732-465-1212. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. All right. We have the U.S. Amateur Champion coming up in just a couple of minutes. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty psyched for this. The guy, he was staying at Augusta National all week last week. So we're going to have some stories. Folks, it's 3.14 p.m. here in New York. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We'll be back in a moment with your U.S. Amateur Champion, Ty Strafacci. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop, chop, he says I'm going to win. T-Shawn Johnson. Any quarterback that plays underneath him is going to look crazy, and especially if they got any skill set. Jay Williams. I'm just tired of talking about what Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons don't do. I want to start talking about what Brett Brown needs to make them do. It's time to go to work, Brett. And Zubin Mahente. I can promise you, I am as passionate about sports as you are. It is time to go to work. T-Shawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. Weekday morning starting at 6 on the new 920 ESPN. Join the thousands of golfers who already call Stick and Hack their home for the best golf stories, original podcasts, special events, member perks, and an active community of golfers across North America. Up until now, the golf media landscape lived somewhere between straight PGA coverage or idiots wrecking golf carts. We take a different approach by celebrating all sides of golf, life, and all the ways this amazing game connects Sticks and Hacks every day. Your free membership entitles you to discounts from major brands all over the country while connecting you with like-minded golfers for discussion, tips, or even around the golf. So head to stickandhack.com and enjoy the world's greatest golf club without the course. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show, great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to ESPN 920. You know, I can't wait for today's interview with one of America's finest amateur golfers. He's the reigning 2020 USGA champion, and just last week he competed in the 85th Masters. He's made in Miami, refined in Atlanta, and now known worldwide. He's Tyler Strafacci. Without a warning, you broke my heart. Taking a baby, torn it apart. You left me standing in the dark crying. Said you love for me was done. Oh, Wade Weezer. That is a song right there, my friend. Hang on, we got 60 more minutes. <laughs> See, I was going to say, that live version right there with Pigpen, you, you can't, uh, that might go on for a while. So let's, let's, uh, let's get our interview gentleman here on the air, because I know he, he, he likes a little bit of the uh, Jerry and the boys. And uh, Tyler Strafacci, welcome to the pro show. How are you today, my friend? Good. How are you guys doing? It's, it's going to be a fun show. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, you know what? Speaking of having some fun, last week you got to play in the 85th Masters. So to get this thing going, let's talk a, a little bit about, give me one cool story from your experience last week. I mean, there were def- it was definitely a week filled with stories, but um, probably the coolest thing about playing the Masters as an AM is that you get to stay in the crow's nest. Um, and it was on Monday night, and I just finished a long day of practice, and I'd been dreaming of staying in the crow's nest pretty much since I was a little kid. Uh, and just went up there, and one of the guys came up. He's like, what do you want for the night? I said, uh, probably a six-pack of Miller Lights and a cigar would be great. And he's like, right away, sir. And I thought that was pretty cool and just hung out there all night, watched probably three or four Masters reruns, and it was. I felt like a little kid up there. It was awesome. All right, so you mentioned you've been dreaming about playing at Augusta your whole life, right? So I'm going to take you back in time to Bandon Dunes, all right? It's August 15th, it's 2020, and you're playing your semifinal match against Aman Gupta, the one that you won one up, right? Now, as I'm watching the coverage of this, the commentators are going nuts. They're like, these kids know that if they win this match, they get to play in the Masters. And I'm thinking to myself, he just wants to win this match. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, from a fan's point of view and from my listener's point of view, I mean, these are the things we think of. At some point in that match, are you thinking to yourself, if I win this, I get to go play Augusta National? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's weird. It's a full match. It's filled with emotions. Like when you first tee off, you know exactly what the match is for. You just know you have the U.S. Open trophy, and they pretty much tell you on the first tee the winner of this match gets in to the 2021 Masters and U.S. Open. So you you know it's at stand. Um, and then you kind of get in the middle of the round, and you're not thinking about that. You're just worrying about kicking another guy's butt. Um, so then once you kind of get to a point in the match where you're about to close them out, which it did in my head, it kind of started to occur to me. Um, and it probably occurred to him. He's like, I got to – I got to make something happen or else I'm not going to play in this tournament. So he, uh, yeah, I kind of gave up a few holes, but he also hit some great shots. And it, uh, it was first thing I thought about when we finished hole in 18 was you playing the masters and it was such a cool feeling. I can't even describe it. Yeah. I mean, I remember that interview and you could just see you were smiling ear to ear, but something was going on in your head. So it was kind of cool for you to tell us that story because then, you know, people know that, Actually, playing in the Masters is a really big deal. There's no doubt about that. But I want to go back to, you know, you winning the Havemeyer Trophy and the Havemeyer Trophy being in Atlanta for two straight years. You know, your teammate, Andy Ogletree, he's been on the show with me before. You guys did something down at Georgia Tech that really had never been done before. Do you think in your approach to winning the 2020 U.S. Amateur, the fact that that trophy was near to you for an entire year did that help at all and giving you some confidence as you progressed your way through your matches oh yeah i mean andy andy was always a great player in college and me and luke had always played with him kind of just all being part of the same class so we kind of knew what each other's games are about we beat each other a bunch of times so when you kind of get to the am and you know your teammate last year won it and you have a, another year of experience on your belt and it definitely kind of gives you good feelings going into the week that if i play really well why not me it was kind of that mentality um but yeah him i don't know if andy doesn't if andy doesn't win the usam i don't know if i win the usam just because of that belief factor 
I mean, that's kind of my point, right? So then you, the final match is over, right? And you beat Ali Osborne. Yeah. And next thing you know, you are the U.S. Amateur Champion. Your family's there. Your brother comes running out. Every, you know, your mom's there. Everyone's, you know, celebrating. You know, how long did it take to sink in that you had won this, you know, legendary tournament? Yeah, I mean, it. I knew it. I knew it right away. Just like after that party, you're like, oh, my God, what just happened? And then it didn't really, honestly, the gravity of the whole thing didn't really hit me until... I, I played in the Masters and kind of you get you go into the crow's nest and you see all the other people, all the names in there, and you're like, wow, I really did do something special. Um, especially on the first tee shot at the Masters, you definitely you definitely know what you did was pretty darn cool because it's just teeing up a DJ in Westwood, two former world number ones, and it's pretty sweet. You know, one of the things that's unique about the Masters is that when you do step on the first tee, it's the same first tee that Tiger stepped on or that Jack stepped on. But when you sleep in the crow's nest, those champions that you saw on that plaque had slept there also. I mean, what was it like to sleep in the same room that some of the amateur champions? I mean, you know, take, for example, Fred Ridley. The guy's now running the tournament, right? He he slept in the crow's nest. I mean, th- that had to be when you lay there in that bed and you're, and you're kind of thinking about what you've what you've accomplished right what's running through your mind i mean it's again it's something that's just really hard to explain how cool that is um especially i going back to the crow's nest i i really wish that it was a normal year and you kind of spend that time with the other amateurs in the tournament and build memories that way that would have been that's probably the biggest regret i had at the masters was just not having that camaraderie um during that crow's nest day. Cause you've, we've all heard some pretty funny stories and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just, just, I think who was above my bed. I think Phil was, Phil's picture was right above my bed saying how he stayed here and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Speaking of awesome, I got a quick question for you. And folks, if you're wondering who we're talking to, we're talking to Ty Strafacci. He's your 2020 U.S. Amateur Champion, and he had one heck of a 2020 summer. He won the North-South Amateur Championship as well and the Palmetto Amateur. And he's going to be a member of the Walker Cup team in just a couple of months. And we'll get to that in a minute. But you win the Amateur. Did anyone text you or congratulate you or send you an email that really surprised you that you were like, wow. That was that was a pretty cool person to reach out and say congratulations. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm sure they're honestly my memory's really bad, but I had some real cool alum at um Georgia Tech. Uh, mostly like guys like Tom Noonan and Dave Dorman and Trip Rackley and Cooch and Sink both sent nice nice texts, which were pretty cool. Um, especially from Cooch since he was the Amateur champion. He was kind of someone we've looked up to being at tech, kind of with the same coach and whatnot. So that was pretty cool for him to reach out to me like that. Indeed. That's, you know, that's great about being part of that whole fraternity and the alumni of Georgia Tech. Now, we just talked about this a second ago the Walker Cup. It's coming up in a month, right? So, in these three months that you have right here, you've got the Masters in April, the Walker Cup at Seminole Golf Club in May, and then you're going to play the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines in June, right? So, let, I, I, I kind of, I want to go back to Augusta, and I want to. I want you to put your player's cap on. You're playing the first two rounds with the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson. What do you pick up from him in the his approach, or 
you know, did you guys talk about anything? Did you ask him some questions or did you just kind of follow him around and look at the things that he did or did you not pay attention to him at all? But what what might you have picked up or learned from DJ for those first couple of days? Yeah, I learned I learned a couple of things. I mean, one, you can kind of see how someone I'd never really seen, even though he missed the cut, I could see how he could dominate a golf tournament just by being as big and strong as he is. Um, so that kind of, that opened my eyes a little bit. I mean, I was kind of hitting with him most of the day, and then all of a sudden he steps up on 15 and hits, I think he hit nine iron in there, and I'm hitting a five or six iron, and it's like, okay, that's that's a difference right there. Um, but also how professional he was, just how his, how his emotions were out on the course, didn't really have, let anything bother him. Um, every shot mattered, just kind of, you could tell the intensity in his face and how his preparation was that I learned a lot. It's mostly just kind of little things like that. Um, and Westy was a great guy too. They're, I mean, they're just such world-class people and just know how to play the game so well. It's hard not to learn a lot. I'm curious about that because, you know, Westy's played on tour now for in four different decades. So you talk about being someone being the consummate professional and he's had this great run in Florida back in March. Um, what was it like being with him and, and his son was caddying for him, right? What was it like being with Lee Westwood for a couple of days? Yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was kind of just starting golf, um, Westwood was, I think he was number one in the world. I mean, he was, he was a world-class player kind of during that. He still is. Um, but that away to kind of 2012 time, I think it's what it was. He was, always competing in majors and kind of definitely someone that you kind of try to model your game after with his ball striking. Um, but he was just, he was great. He's was talking about, he's going to the Walker cup with his son to support the GB and I team. Um, so we'll see him there. And he was very, very nice about talking about schedule. Just the way, he, just the way he handles situations really cool to watch. I tell you that experience just must be immeasurable. Just watching those guys handle themselves around the crowds, um, playing, managing their game. I I wonder, you know, we make a big deal or the media makes a big deal about Bryson cranking drivers on Monday and, you know, doing his whole speed training and everything. But you know, I'd love to learn more about like your experience. Like, were there any other guys that you kind of spend a little time with, asked them a question or two, or maybe they mentioned something to you? Were there any other cool experiences in, in your practice time, your practice rounds or out on the range or the short game area where you got to meet a guy and you were like, wow, that that was that was really cool of of him to say that. And do you have any kind of moments like that? I mean, yeah, like uh we saw Bernhard Longer and were was just I was just watching how he just practiced out there. Um and I went up to him and introduced myself, but just you could tell why he's still competing this late into his life, you know. Um just how he how diligent he is with his preparation, his practice sessions and stuff like that, but I would say the coolest person I hung out with pretty much all week was Billy Horschel. Um, he's just coming off the win. I did some practice with him a couple of days before we both left for the tournament. Um, he came over for dinner, and it was just it was just cool to have someone I consider almost like a big brother to me um, just be there and kind of help support me throughout the week. And he it was kind of I almost had that feeling that he wanted me to play well almost as well as he did, which was kind of cool, but. Uh, just just to have him there was pretty cool. That's awesome. Now, everyone made a big deal about how hard the golf course played on Thursday. 
was was it really that hard? Well, I will say on a on Tuesday we were we were on the ninth green. Some of my buddies were back were in town um, from back home, and I said, "Look at this green." It was on nine green. There was it looked like there was not much grass on it just because of how baked out it was. Um, and it was harder on Tuesday than it was on Thursday. Oh man! And you could tell they. I remember the night of the amateur on Wednesday, you could see him syringe in the greens because they were, I mean, they really thought they could get him like stupid crusty, but they, they still were a great test. I mean, Thursday was significantly softer than it was on Tuesday and Wednesday, I thought, but it still played really hard, which was, which is cool to see. Well, I mean, and this is kind of where I'm going with all of this line of questioning is that it's great preparation for, you know, what's about to come up. Let's say the Walker Cup or, you know, you had a PGA Tour exemption to play at Torrey back in January and you use that experience probably as a practice round for June for the U.S. Open. What was it like playing Torrey in anticipation of getting ready for June? Yeah, Torrey, um. The thing is, I don't think they have to do much to make it a U.S. Open course. I mean, I think what they'll do is firm out the fairways a little bit, maybe grow up the rough half an inch to an inch and just make the greens hard. Because, I mean, when we played it in February, it was fairways already tied up. They're like 15 to 20 yards wide each hole. Um, rough was really thick, but the only thing was, if you had in the rough, you could almost, you could pretty much stop it on the green, whereas I think in the open, you're not going to be able to. Um so it was, it was cool to see the layout. The layout's not going to change. Maybe a couple of fives will turn into fours, but that's just um, normal U.S. Open stuff. But, again, I think it's – that course I feel is like a really good fit for my game. I just – when I'm playing, well, i got to get back to that. But um, it's going to be a great great week, I feel, at Torrey. Well, folks, it's been cool to spend some time here with Ty Strafacci. Uh, he is your U.S. Amateur Champion, just coming off the Masters last week. And next month, he has the Walker Cup. So let's talk a little Walker Cup down at Seminole for a second. You've learned these valuable lessons from competing at, let's say, Torrey Pines back in January and now Augusta National Golf Club, right? How has that changed your level of confidence as a player or your mindset going into something now where you're going to compete, not against the number one player in the world, some great players from GB and I, but, but still like, are, are you evolving in your, in your confidence as a player because of these experiences? Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. Just all the, all the experiences that you've had and kind of, I've gotten humbled out quite a lot in the last couple months. Um, which has been good for me, kind of just learned that I need to change some stuff to compete out there. Um, you get into a situation like the Walker Cup, I'm going to be able to draw on all those experiences. I'm so much better off than I was in January. I might not be playing as well, but I'm a far better golfer, if that makes sense. Um, scores will come, but just being on the tee with DJ and Westy also at the Masters is going to definitely help with that first tee shot, because that was that was a pretty scary experience. Um, not really playing a tournament for two months and getting up with 5,000 people lined the fa- line down the fairways. And it's just hadn't really hit many shots in two months. So All right. stuff like that, I'm definitely going to draw for the Walker cup and get ready for that tournament. So knowing that you can really help my listeners out because they have no one around the first tee and they're super nervous, right? So what did you do in order to, you know, hit a Ty Strafacci shot 
on the first tee. I mean, you hit a good drive, you hit the green, right? But, you know, you said you were really nervous, right? What what did you call upon in order to really pull that off while you're standing next to, you know, the chairman of Augusta National and the number one player in the world? Yeah. Yeah, so I've been trying to, like, I've been teasing my coach for forever that he's like, oh, you're gonna, you got to prepare for that first tee shot. I'm like, nah, bro, like, we're going to be fine. I'm not going to be nervous. It's all good. We're just going to go out and have a fun time. And I see him on the rent. He's warming me up on the range. And I'm like, T.A., he's like, what? He's like, I- I'm nervous as can be right now. I can't even move. He's like, oh, I know. You should have built it up. <laughs> he pretty much called me an idiot. And he just pretty much told me that you've hit many good tee shots on this first hole. Just, it's pretty much just get up and hit it down there. It's as simple as that. And I saw my agent as I was walking to the tee. And she's like, how you doing? I said, Sherry, you might need to find a new pair of pants. This is getting pretty intense. Um, huh. But, yeah, that was that was a pretty cool moment. Well, Ty, um, you've shared that with us, and we really appreciate that. But, you know, from the viewer's point of view, you – looked very um confident and you and you looked like you had a job to do and you went out and you did it and you played the whole first hole very well so um you managed yourself quite professionally and uh certainly we're going to see if we can manage yourself through a little bit more of this interview and maybe have some fun in the end but for right now we got to take a quick break for our sponsors folks up next more with the 2020 u.s amateur champion ty strafacci thanks for listening to espn 920 Players, we've always been at the forefront of social change. We all respect the decision, and we support her decision, more importantly. And Mike Golick Jr. We saw a Black Lives Matter shirt at a NASCAR race. You have finally opened the door to make a new group of people feel welcome at a racetrack. The new knows no limits. Janae Ogumike and Mike Golick Jr. are Janae and Golick Jr. Weekday afternoons at 4 on the new 920 ESPN. Hey, golf and sports fans. Monkey Knife Fight lets you play golf contests for money with your favorite players for the whole tournament or single round. Monkey Knife Fight makes it easy to win with no sharks or complicated salary caps. Sign up to play now and get 100% instant deposit match up to 50 bucks, plus a free $5 game just for trying Monkey Knife Fight out. Yep, you heard me right. A free $5 game just for trying Monkey Knife Fight. That's monkeyknifefight.com. Daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. You got a great voice for radio. Time to get back on course. Face for radio. I I get a lot of that too. As the pro show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the pro show. I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with Ty Strafacci. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. He's got that Havemeyer trophy for a couple more months, and we will have him for a couple more minutes. But before we get to the back nine of this interview, let's continue the vibe for this afternoon with a little more music from San Francisco's finest. You know, I've always wanted to say this, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Garcia. I told Althea I was feeling lost, lagging in some direction. Althea told me a poem, Thank you for that there. Mr. Wade Weezer, I'm in a tremendous mood this afternoon, having a Grateful Dead fan on with us. How about yourself there, Mr. Ty Strafacci? Little Althea there for you? Yeah, little Althea, I'm loving it. 
man, I tell you, it uh, it's not right. Oh man, I'm telling you, the uh, I, uh, I I love the Grateful Dead, and I meant what I said there. You know, the idea that I got to introduce Jerry Garcia there, and with you, uh, is. It's almost like a bucket list afternoon that we're having this afternoon, and uh, I'm I'm glad you're having some fun with us. Happened to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? You keep doing the things that you're doing, and uh, you'll have as many walk-up songs as you want. So that begs the question, right? Uh, If you are a deadhead, right? Do you have one in your mind that you would walk up to if you were, you know, teeing off in the Zurich Classic next week or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, my all-time favorite dead song it's they do a unbelievable cover of it they've been doing it for many many years but morning dew i mean i would i would give anything to go back in history at that time and just see jerry do one of those versions it would have been just so cool um but yeah walk-up songs i don't i don't really i listen to them when i practice trying to calm down but i don't know maybe a little scarlet and then kind of a little fire to end it but i don't know i love it that'd be like a 19 minute walk-up song it would be great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you take my time on that first tee. <laughs> you would be, you'd be on the clock before you teed off on the first hole. You know, it, I it, know it's funny. Oh man. You got, so you got to get into a little 72 Europe there. If you're going to go morning dew, I mean, that's almost one of the most legendary ones there. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. The, yeah. uh, you know, we, we can go on to that forever, but anyway. All right. So you, like I could just mentioned, you accomplished a lot in the last year. You know, I mean, you've you've accomplished a lot in life, but you but you've accomplished a lot in the last year. When you kind of look back, I mean, there's, it's been a crazy year, but you've done so much and you've been so successful. What, what's kind of your proudest moment? Proudest moment. Um, I think my proudest moment of the summer was, or just the last year, was just being there with my father on the 18th green. That I mean, that's that's going to be more in my head than winning winning the USAM. I mean, just that interaction I had throughout that whole week with him and my family at the end that was that was just a proud moment for the family. And it was that's one of those things that's hard for me to talk about because I get pretty emotional about that stuff. And um, just for me and my dad to be hugging on that 18th green with all with all that we've been through with golf. And as a father-son, everyone has their ups and downs. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I mean, that connection that the two of you had at that moment, you know, it, I mentioned earlier, I said, you know, you looked pretty stoic and confident when you hit the first tee shot at Augusta, but you look like you really embraced your dad in that moment and your family that this was, you know, because everyone knows what junior golf is like and what the sacrifices that parents make to drive their kids around or fly them somewhere. And, you know, I'm sure you were on, you know, basically on tour when you were in high school going all over the country and you could really kind of grasp you know, the gravity of what was taking place when you won that and, you know, your family was so tight knit. So, hey, congratulations for having that relationship with your dad. But besides your family, you know, who's been a huge mentor, or positive influence to you as you've gone through this journey in golf? Yeah, I mean, there's. I would say. My swing coach, T.A., um, I don't know if you know Todd Anderson at all, but he's he's a world class human. Um, I I call him a life coach because we talk more about kind of structure and kind of doing stuff than we do with my actual swing at times. Um, just just having him in my corner, and I 
someone that I love and trust that I can talk to about stuff um, is great. And he's, he's almost like a second father to me. So um, just having him in my corner is pretty amazing. If you don't mind sharing, can you give us maybe one simple coaching technique that really works for you and you know when you're under the gun maybe it's the finals of the USAM or you know maybe it's just the middle of the second round at Augusta or it's it's a match at the Walker Cup you know what is it that he does that really instills that Ty Strafacci confidence in you yeah he's so TA is all about the process so he's about um just everything before the shot just being fully committed to it and and that comes from all the preparation that we do before, like all our practice and all our practice planning. We, we come up with months before and we kind of stick with that and see how good we can get with that practice plan. Um, so just that kind of stuff, when, when you know you're kind of doing the right stuff and you're diligent about stuff, all that's all the confidence follows because you know you do, you're doing all the right things. Um, so just pretty much just that structure and – all that stuff that I've put into place before each shot gives me a whole bunch of confidence I can trust during the tournament. Did your experience at Augusta cause you to change or modify the plan or pivot the plan just a little bit going into, you know, the next couple experiences you have to try to play even better? Yeah. I mean, honestly, so I had, I played in, Augusta was my third start that I played in. I had to withdraw from Riviera because of a pretty bad uh it's an sc joint up in the shoulder and i couldn't i couldn't swing so i had about i think six weeks from that tournament to the masters and i i didn't touch a club for about four of the weeks um so i even for those two weeks after leading up i couldn't hit more than 20 30 balls a day and it just for me it was tough going in that tournament i, I was hitting it well i just felt kind of a little underprepared but i think just now that my body's healthy and I kind of took the proper precaution, it's the expect expectation is going to be to start competing in these tournaments. Cause I, you know, as a golfer, you can't handle, I mean, it's tough dealing with bad golf. I just want to start playing some good golf soon. So I'm going to do everything in my power for that. Well, there's no doubt that the, the good golf is coming back soon because I mean, you know, you look at uh, all of the positive vibes that you can draw upon from your 2020 summer, and, you know, a year removed doesn't mean anything. I mean, you have these amazing events coming up like the Walker Cup. You know, what? I, I, it makes me think of something. The Walker Cup's coming up, right? The captain comes to you and he says, hey, Ty, whose game do you think yours pairs up with well on the team? Who are you looking forward to partner with in order to win the Walker Cup over GB and I? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a question that we've all talked about kind of in the We've had a bunch of team meetings and stuff like that. Uh, can't really say there's anything solid yet, but I, me and John Pack have played a a bunch of a bunch of tournaments together, and we've actually played two team events together, and we've had a couple pra- Walker Cup practice sessions. So I would say if there's anyone's game that I know the best and have had success with, um, it'd be John Pack. Uh, but I also play with. Everyone on the team's unbelievable. Like I'd love to get paired with everyone, um, but Davis Thompson, I played real well with him during the practice session, and he's he's a machine. That kid, if you're like go after this drive and get it way down there for me, he'll go after and hit it 
340 down the middle and you're like, okay, this is why golf's so easy. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking forward to whoever I get paired with. We're going to kick some butt. We're not, we're not losing the match in this Walker cup. I guarantee that. Ah, I love that one for it. I love that. You're bringing out the Jersey in me. And of course, John Pock is a Jersey kid, but I, I love that, that kind of toughness and that persona that it's like, I, we're not going to lose at all. And especially not on home turf there at, at fabled Seminole golf club. Uh, all right. So you've got a bunch of stuff coming up. The fans of the show are going to want to follow you, right? So do you have a social media handle? Is there a way that they can keep in touch with all the things that you're doing and, and follow along with your future successes? Yeah, the best best place is probably on my Instagram. It's at Ty Strafacci. Um just one word. And we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of a lot of fun tournaments coming up, and it's gonna be the first first of many many years playing in tour events. So I'm really looking forward to getting my feet wet and playing for some money. Ooh, I, ooh, I like that. So uh, after the Walker Cup, you turn pro. Are there some more PGA Tour exemptions coming up before the U.S. Open? Yeah, I have. There's one that's um, we're going to announce soon, and the next three are Colonial, Memorial, and Open. So uh, I'll have three or four kind of guaranteed starts. Uh, if I play well enough, I'll get the rest of my 12. But if I don't, um, just getting ready for getting ready for Q School. You know, just pretty much take it one day at a time and just play good golf, and everything else takes care of itself. All right, folks, we have a special afternoon here because we have Ty Strafacci with us. And if you recognize that voice you hear, it's the same voice you heard in the press room at Augusta National last week. He is the U.S. Amateur Champ. And with all that aside, you know, all those matches you won on the 18th hole, you know, the first tee shot next to DJ, I know you're going to be nervous because we're going to throw a little tradition at you, unlike any other here that we do on the pro show. And that's a little rapid fire Q&A. So you up for a little... Uh, um, investigation into your personal side. Oh, okay. Rapid fire. I like that. Here yeah. we, all right. Well, so we're going to test that Walker Cup confidence right here. Okay. Best Walker thing. Cup confidence. Okay. All right. Ready? Best thing you ate yeah. last week at Augusta? Fried chicken. Not a golfer. Name your favorite professional athlete. Dan Marino. On a scale of one to 10, rate your fashion sense. Seven. Ooh. All right. Name a U.S. state you have not been to you'd like to visit. North Dakota. North Dakota. All right. Yeah, I know. I've been to a lot of states. That's just one of them. Fair enough. All right. Uh, if you could be a character in any movie, who would you be and in what movie? I would say Vinny Chase from Entourage. Oh, man. I love Entourage. That is a great answer there, Ty. Oh, that's that's really good. All right. Great show. Oh, fantastic. All right. When you hear the words professional golfer, who's the first person that comes to mind? Arnold Palmer. How large was the biggest fish you have ever caught? I've caught about a 50-pound grouper in Cabo San Lucas. You get to play in next week's Zurich Classic. You can pick a partner, but it has to be a Georgia Tech alumni. Who do you pick? Luke Schneider, Jans. That's my podsy. Good man to pick. Good, great player. All right, one more for you. Describe being the U.S. Amateur Champion in one word. 
Legacy. Well, you know what, Ty, whether it's today, last week at Augusta, or your future, you are building quite a legacy for yourself, young man. Your family should be super proud. Certainly your grandfather, who is also a USGA champion. Can't thank you enough for being on the pro show with me this afternoon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Take care now, and and good luck next month at the Walker Cup. Go kick some butt, all right? Sounds good. We'll do. All right, folks. That's it. Ty Strafacci, U.S. Amateur Champion. It's about 3.50 p.m. here in New York. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Coming back to wrap up today's show with, well, you know what it is. It's the weekly update. Janae Ogulmake. Players who've always been at the forefront of social change. We all respect the decision and we support her decision more importantly. And Mike Golick Jr. We saw a Black Lives Matter shirt at a NASCAR race. You have finally opened the door to make a new group of people feel welcome at a racetrack. The new knows no limits. Janae Ogulmake and Mike Golick Jr. are Janae and Golick Jr. Weekday afternoons at 4 on the new 920 ESPN. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the director of fun. You're listening to ESPN 920 on just a fantastic Friday afternoon in April. When I walk beside her, I am the better man. All right, I'm loving this vibe. You know what else I love? is all the people that stream us all over the country at 920ESPNNewJersey.com. You just hit that Listen Now button. You know what else I love? All the folks that download the podcast as well. You find it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher. Give me some volume, Wade. You know what, my friend, the vibe that you create week in and week out, if there's a better show to sell the modern game of golf, I'm just not sure if, if one exists. Give me a little more. Give me a little more. More. Yeah. Once I dug in her grave to find a better land, she just smiled All right. All right. Sure. I get like you know, you know me. I just love the music. I love the music. You know what I'm holding up my lighter. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's been that kind of day. But it's been a great day for music. And you know what else it's a great day for? Our friends at TaylorMade. Because you know what? First we changed the shape of the driver. Now we're changing the way they're constructed. The all-new Sim2 driver was built differently around a forged aluminum ring. It's TaylorMade's longest and most forgiving driver ever. Played by the best tour pros in the game, Tiger, DJ, Rory, Colin Marikawa, Tommy Fleetwood, and Matt Wolf, just to name a few. It gives every golfer the confidence to swing away every time they step up to the tee. Experience the drives every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow. Learn more about Sim2 Driver and to find a fitting near you, head to TaylorMadeGolf.com. And here we are. The Masters follow-up to the Pro Show update. Matsuyama earned some ink. So, Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters. <laughs> I mean, you're killing me last week. I tried to keep a straight face. All right, here we go. It, it, doesn't, it never ends. So he wins the Masters. And in, in morning newsstands, I mentioned this earlier, in Japan, they'd already sent out the paper. So in many cases, they sent 
like a, sep, a, a second, like couple page insert that was published based on Matsuyama's masterpiece. But how about this one? One paper on Tuesday went as far as to publish a hole by hole account of all 72 holes he played in the <laughs> tournament God. in color, right? Re represented not only in written word, but also the graphics of each hole and where each shot landed, right? Um, I'm telling you, that's a pretty elite level of uh, coverage. In a related story, Amazon announced Tuesday morning that they are completely out of coloring <laughs> cartridges for immediate delivery. Done. Done. Zalatoris crashes the Masters. The young Corn Ferry Tour and Wake Forest alumni took the golf world by storm this week at Augusta. He finished second. <laughs> he finished second in the Masters. He climbed to 27th in the official world golf ranking. He earned many celebrity comparisons throughout, whether it be Happy Gilmore's caddy or my favorite, which was Owen Wilson. You know, you get it? Zalatoris crashes sure. the Masters. All right, yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of good news for him and even great news. But with all of these accolades, he still doesn't have his PGA Tour card. Because of COVID and they've had these extended seasons, he's still technically on the Corn Ferry Tour. And, and to give you an idea of what a difference this makes, Zalatoris earned $1.2 million last week coming in second at the Masters. The total purse this week on the Corn Ferry Tour is six hundred thousand. <laughs> difference. difference for the whole field. <laughs> All right, here we. Oh, oh boy, here controversy at Augusta. Gary and the Green Jackets didn't approve. So, as the cameras focused on Lee Elder during last week's honorary starter ceremony at Augusta, Gary Player's son, a huge friend of the show, you know we love Gary, but his son Wayne stood directly behind the eighty-six-year-old Elder, displaying a sleeve of golf balls. Ooh. Right, golf fans on social media were outraged by what they had seen and accused Wayne Player of deliberate guerrilla marketing during a moment <laughs> where the focus was on the first black man to play in the Masters. Oh, that's not cool. According to Wayne's estranged brother, that because that's a good thing. Right. Mark <laughs> Strange Augusta <laughs> Augusta National has since taken action and banned Wayne for the incident for life. Now, here, here, here's the funny thing. At the time, I was watching the whole ceremony take right, place, right, right. and I didn't notice the sleeve of golf balls because I was looking at Mr. Player's PXG hat and Jack Nicholas's Golden Bear logo hat and Mr. Elder's <laughs> Travis Matthew logo golf shirt. Right. I mean, Poor guys just trying to make a buck. Come on. I mean, I have all the respect in the world. I love what they do at Augusta National, but all, all of this in the media jumping all over that. Uh, speaking of jumping all over something, the LPGA blows up the hoodie market. This story I love. Piggybacking off of the WNBA's wildly popular logo hoodie launched last fall, Michelle Wee teamed up with the LPGA to release a golf version that is expected to create a lot of buzz. Expected to. Forget about it. This tie-dye hoodie officially launches next week, but we got a sneak peek of the LPGA logo sweatshirt when Warriors, Golden State Warriors NBA guard Damian Lee was seen wearing it while traveling. The image was tweeted out by the LPGA Twitter account, and the hoodie sold out instantly. If you go online right now, it's gone. Wow. Right? They expect to be restocked over the weekend, but it's going to sell out immediately again. All right? And it's supporting the women's game and the charitable initiative behind this hoodie. And several other professional athletes are expected to be spotted wearing this hoodie in the coming days. Proceeds, and this is what I love, proceeds go to PGA professional Ray Renee Powell's fund and the Clearview Legacy Foundation, two nonprofit organizations to work on making golf more inclusive. So considering the popularity of hoodies these days with everyone, kudos to the LPGA for such a thoughtful and savvy campaign. So I was going to make fun of it for like not being available like the PS5, but it's for a good cause. So uh, it's, I will I, do that. I hope it sells out 100 times That's over. That's awesome. And, you know, we I absolutely love Renee Powell, PGA professional, just 
total legend in the game. All right, we're not gonna we're gonna need a bigger net. We are. We're not. We're gonna need a bigger. We're gonna net. need a bigger. We're gonna net. need. We're gonna need a bigger. We're gonna boat. need a bigger net. We're gonna need a bigger net. Right. So last year at the RBC Heritage, Bryson, our man Bryson, he was sending balls over the end of the range at Harbortown. All right. right yeah. And they do have a net down there, but they they need a bigger net. All right. So in, in advance of this year's tournament, officials brought in cranes to hold up special nets at the end of the range on top of the nets that are already there <laughs> in preparation for Bryson and his Titanic drives. You like that? And Jaws. Sure, Titanic. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So installing the new extended nets took about 30 extra hours and costs approximately $20,000. And which was a very nice thing to do since the balls were flying into a neighborhood over the end of the range. And you know what? I salute this safety approach from the RBC Heritage leadership. They were thoughtful. They spent the extra money in order to have a very nice, safe tournament. In an unrelated press release, Bryson withdrew from the tournament on Monday. <laughs> 20 grand on a net. <laughs> That's great. I'm not going to be there. You should mail him the bill. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make it up, man. I'm telling you. Owen Wilson, Will Zalatoris. <laughs> It was awesome. All right. There's new meaning to settling your bets at the 19th hole. The PGA Tour is putting a retail sports book at TPC Scottsdale, one of golf's most famous tournament settings. Yes, the host of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So they announced Wednesday that DraftKings will operate the first of a kind sports book at a golf course and become the exclusive sports betting partner of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So three locations at the TPC Scottsdale are being discussed for the quote-unquote 19th hole, which will be open year-round and include in-person betting. The goal is to open the sportsbook by the Super Bowl in 2023. Financial terms and how the revenue from the sportsbook will be shared were not disclosed, but it's in the ballpark of about $50 million for the length of the deal. The People's Open is one of the most attended events in golf, and with this announcement, we look forward to taking the fan experience to another level. Well... We know this tournament is known for an excessive fan experience. Adding a full-fledged sportsbook venue by the PGA Tour on the week of the Super Bowl that the event is played every week tells you when it comes to gambling, the PGA Tour, well, they're all in. One final note, the ups and downs of the U.S. Open. A near record number of entries from the for the year for the Women's U.S. Open have been made, according to the USGA. For the seventh year in a row, they've had more than 1,500 entries, and this year they were very close to having 1,600 entries, just a couple short. That includes 47 different states and 59 countries. You take the hoodie story, you take this story. There's a tremendous interest in women's golf right now, and that's fantastic. In another story from the USGA, Mike Davis, their CEO, announced that they're, they're going to allow fans into the men's event, but just maybe 10,000 a day. Very limited, something to what they did at Augusta or what they did at the players. Um, with the Women's U.S. Open just seven weeks away, it's not known if fans will be included because they're out in San Francisco at the Olympic Club. You know, there's a lot going on there. But fans, limited fans or no fans, interest continues to be very high in golf and especially in our national championships. So we had a USGA champion on today. Congratulations to them and all their hard work and what they're doing in California for their two major championships. And you know what, folks? That's your Pro Show update for Masters Week ending April 16th, 2021. Thanks to TaylorMade Golf and, of course, the New Jersey Golf Foundation. My producer, Wade Weezer, on the board, and most importantly, our listeners. Got to go quick here. So, But before I do, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about negotiation. Life is an endless negotiation there, Wade Weezer. Consider this the next time you sit down at the bargaining table. Deals that have only one winner 
seldom have two parties who work together again. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the T next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.